worship this king. Let's give it up for you. We give you praise. Let's lift your hands and worship this morning. Just, just surrender whatever it is you're facing today. Lord, we worship you in this house. Surely you have borne our grief and you have carried our sorrow. There are those of you in this house this morning or facing this holiday season for the first time with loved ones that have gone on before you. There's a strength beyond your strength. Reach for that strength right now. Let the Lord strengthen you, encourage you. Let him bear that grief and that sorrow. Father, we love you. Father, we need you. In order we are thankful that you are so sensitive, Lord God, to our every last need. Lord, I pray today that there would be such strength of courage just to simply lean upon you, to draw from your strength today. Father, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've never intended for us to do life on our own. But you sent your Son, that he would bring us into the fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the presence we have felt. We ask, God, that you would move in such a mighty way in our midst today. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's, let's give the worship team some love today. Amen. Did a great job. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated today. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will. I want you to go over to Luke, the second chapter. Luke, the second chapter. I'm going to wait just a minute upon the Holy Spirit before we dive deep into this. And as we're looking at this today, I just want to say uh, thank you to all of those of you that came out Tuesday and helped us uh, with the North Texas Food Bank. We were able to help 300 families. Amen. So we, we thank you for that. Now, I don't want to distract you. I'm going to give you about two seconds to just get your eye on a poinsettia up here. But as soon as I say it's, it's all done, first come, first serve, you can come get, not right now, no, 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 stay in your seat, Pastor Angel, stay in your seat. But as soon as, as, soon as service is over, all of these need to be gone, Okay. Yeah, I will do a countdown, okay? Five, four, three, two, one, go. No, no, not yet, not yet. Just, just hold. Now, some of you are just clocked out. You're just like checked out, and you just, all you're going to think about is poinsettia. That's okay. All right, I'm going to try to draw you back in. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and go over to Luke. Luke. As, as you're turning there, I just want to, we were, Andrew and I had the privilege of being in the services uh, back in September. And wanna, you know how you meet people and you felt like you've known them your whole life? There was, a, there was a brother that we shared services with. His name's Dean Love, one of the greatest preachers and persons I've ever met. And he preached out of this text in a, in a light that, in a way that I haven't seen before. And so I'm going to invite him to actually come and just really give you the full double barrel of it, but I, I want to draw from this text today and just just highlight a few things. And of course, I got my own twist on it. And there's things I want to speak to you this morning as a church. Now you've come; some of you have come for a Christmas service, but that's not what you're going to get. You may get a Christmas text, but what you're going to get is a commissioning. There's a commissioning today. And there are those of you that have been persuaded that you don't qualify for the work of the kingdom. Some of you feel like that because of past mistakes that you, your calling and ministry has been nullified. There are those in this house today and you think, well, the Lord just can't use me anymore because I don't have this and I don't have that. Well, guess what? We just wadded all of that stuff up, and we're throwing it behind us, and we're going forward. We're going forward. I want you to look here in, in Luke's gospel, the second chapter. I want to begin reading in the first verse down to the 
about the 15th, 16th verse. So as it came to pass in those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Can somebody say amen? amen. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were all greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. Notice this. This will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from there into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. The story is phenomenal just to start with. We can just imagine Mary has been visited by the angel. She said, you're going to have a child. I've never knew a man. You're not going to know a man. Not at this point. But the child you will conceive in your womb shall be but the most high God. In fact, he will be God. So the Holy Spirit placed Jesus in the womb of Mary. Think about that for just a moment. And for nine months, Jesus was growing in that womb. Nurtured by that mother. The one who pre-existed because when he entered into into Mary's womb that wasn't his start it's just his start as a human but it wasn't his start he in fact is the one who started start he's the one that began the beginning and he'll be the one that ends the ending so he is there growing for nine months in the womb of Mary. This God taking on humanity. If that's not miraculous enough. But now they're going to make this hundred mile journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Because the powers that be said, we're going to have to count everybody, and you've got to get back to your place of origin. So Joseph, being of the lineage of David, goes back to his ancestral home place and makes this 100-mile journey. Now, for you and I to make 100 miles, we, we made a, what, five-hour trip yesterday down to Waco because my son went off and got himself engaged. to a wonderful young lady and we went down to meet 
the future in-laws. Had a great meeting. So I missed the pig feast last night. I, I understand I've got some samples over there waiting on me, so I'm going to make this quick because I'm getting kind of hungry. But it, it, we, we did that in a day, two and a half hours down, two and a half hours back, minus some stops with some babies in the car because, <laughs> you know, they got a TT and they've got to poo-poo and they've got to eat and they've got to do this and they've got to do that. And you understand it takes a little bit of time to get there and to get back. But if you're on foot, it's going to take you a little while from get to Nazareth to Bethlehem. So there's, you can, ladies, we've got some mamas in here. It's got, got newborn babes holding in their arms. My daughter being one on the front row here. We've got Emily back here. We've got other mothers that are in here. Could you imagine in your last, in your last trimester having to make on foot a journey from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem? arduous journey. And I, I venture to guess, I know we have this, this picturesque uh, 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 trials of bandits and such on the, on the highways and things, and that very well could have been true. But most likely, they, they traveled in a caravan down to Bethlehem. And when they got down there to Bethlehem, because everybody in the, in the region received the notice, you got to get to your place of lineage, you got to go to your ancestral place in order to be counted. They got there, and by the time they got there, there was no room in the guest quarters, in the houses, in the homes, in the dwellings in that place. So we have Jesus growing in the womb of Mary. God the Son is growing in human flesh, getting ready to make his physical entrance. He came into this world when the Holy Spirit when she was conceived in the womb of, the, of Mary. But what we see is that he is now going to enter the world. They can't find room for this to take place. Now the prophecy was fulfilled that he would come out of Nazareth, but he would also be born in Bethlehem. So now the only place that they can find in order that she may bring forth the Savior of the world, the eternal God, is in the barn. Or an area in which many times in those dwellings, there were, the, the dwelling took place on the upper levels, and the bottom floor was used for everyday use. And so she brings forth the Christ, and she swaddles him, wraps him up. I watched my daughter wrap up little Miss Juniper last night. She was born in September, and she still swaddles. He lays her down. But you can imagine. Prophecies had gone forth that he would be born in Bethlehem. So they take the Christ child. Swaddle him, lay him in a manger. The manger is not the whole scene. The manger is the feeding trough. And in this text of Scripture I just read to you, that manger is mentioned three times. In fact, the, the angel, I believe in heaven, the heavenly hosts were so excited about what just took place that the divine had now embraced and is now here in the natural terrestrial and the terrestrial, they come together. And so now the, the, the angels step out and they didn't go to the temple to make the announcement. They didn't go to the synagogue and say, hey, in Bethlehem, Christ is born. No. They went out into the field where the shepherds were. Because who, who's really going to be concerned about lambs being born more than shepherds? Who's really going to understand maybe the significance and the implication except for the ones out in the field raising the lambs that would be used for slaughter in, or sacrifice in Jerusalem? Now, the shepherds were out there and they said, this is going to be the sign. This will be the sign that the Savior is here. It's not the wrapping of the swaddling clothes. This is the sign. 
You read it in the text. He'll be laid in a manger. Laid in the manger. This is a kind of a crude example of what maybe a, 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 a manger, not to discredit our children's pastor's Carol's manger, but this is what we had on hand. I'm afraid baby Jesus might fall through that without some extra help. But, but think about just, yeah, we'd, we'd have the straw and have it packed in and all of that. So you get the, vi- you get the visual. And I brought this in case you weren't a visual person. You could, you know, imagination. We're just using our imagination right now. Now think about it for a moment. He who John saw in his glorified form, whose eyes were a flame of fire. Oh, and out of his mouth comes a sharp two-headed sword. Oh, whose countenance is like the ray of the sun. He who was in the beginning and before the beginning, who began the beginning. The Word made flesh. And when He spoke, the worlds came into existence. The stars, the galaxy, the sun, the moon. He separated the seasons because He is in charge of the seasons. He put it all in place. But now, He's been laid as a sign in the manger. I could imagine as this feed trough has probably got slobber stains from the cows who ate out of it. The sheep that ate out of it. I I couldn't imagine that as the people were coming in that they bothered to sweep up every bit of the dung that was in and deposited in this workplace. I don't know for sure. I'm just speculating, but maybe they didn't take the time to get the, the, get the air fresheners out and start hanging them all over the place. It's a barn. What happens in barns? There's a whole lot of stink that happens in barns. We don't have any room. Joseph and Mary, we don't have any room. It's not that we wouldn't accommodate you. We just don't have the room to put you up. The only thing I can offer is the barn out here. Didn't matter if she was with child or not. That's all they had to offer her. So she brought forth God the Son. And took him and laid him in a manger. And then the angels showed up to the shepherds and said, shepherds, This is the sign he's going to be laid in the manger. The title of this morning's message is this. Lord, make me a manger. Lord, make me a manger. See, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency may not be of us, of him. God has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things as a representation of his strength. Paul came to to the Lord and he had this thing we call the thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. He petitioned the Lord and he said, Lord, I need you to take care of this thorn. Now, my wife and I, we've had discussions about what this thorn might be. And both of us have finally concluded that there's no way to understand what that thorn was. You just can't. And I believe that thorn was purposely left out so that we wouldn't say, well, I'm going to liken myself to Paul, and so he's got this thing, I've got this thing. The point of it is, we've all got a thing. We've all got a thing. Now, we don't know if Paul's thing was a physical thing. We don't know that maybe he got crippled whenever he was beaten so many times. We don't know if maybe it was the guilt, that he, uh, the, the potential of the regret that he carried. We don't know. You can fill in the blank of what you think the thing might be. Not with Paul's thing, but your thing. 
And he petitioned the Lord and said, Lord, I, just, I need you to take care of this. Anybody ever gone to God with your thing? Said, God, I need you to take this thing out of me. I, I need you, Father, I need this thing to take it, be taken care of. I need, Father, for you to take care of this insecurity. I need you to take care of whatever that thing may be. I told you this is not a Christmas message. It's a commissioning service. But what was Paul's, the Lord's response to Paul? Paul, first off, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, I most gladly therefore rejoice in my infirmities. I, I just, I, I relish in them. In fact, I don't push my weaknesses away, I embrace them. My weaknesses stop being my enemy and they start becoming my friend. Because the weakness that I have is the very elevation. It's not the excuse to not be involved in the work. It's the entrance into the glory of the power of God. I know you're thinking, I appreciate that. I can sense the wheels turning. I, in fact, I can see some of the smoke billowing out of some ears today. See, the Lord, God Almighty, the maker of heavens and heaven and earth, Emmanuel, God with us, came into this world as human. Now, Mary takes Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, He who created all things, and why all things, all everything exists. All oh, this God takes Him to this slobber-stained feeding trough and places Him in that manger. Do you ever believe that manger is going to ever eclipse the glory that's setting in it? Do you ever believe, do you believe that there's a possibility that you would look at that manger and think, man, that is a glorious piece of furnishing that deserves all of our praise? No. Anybody could make this. We could go get a couple of monkeys and give them a hammer and some nails and they go out and make this thing. You understand what I'm saying? It's just a common piece used for common purposes, stuck in a common area. But the divine Savior has been laid in that manger. Now that manger has been elevated. From something that is common to something that houses something, someone supernatural. <laughs> and the measure of the weakness of the vessel magnifies, magnifies, magnifies the glory that rests within it. Oh, but Lord, I got this thing. I've got this thing that I can't hardly get over. And the Lord said, you're not going to get over it. It's because that weakness that's in you is the very thing I'm going to use as a weapon against the enemy. Anybody ever wanted to get closer to God? I, I'm not talking about casual, hey, we're just mediocre just a little bit of, hey, I'm going to go, you know, to church four times this month instead of three. But it's been a yearning hunger, depth of your heart to say, God, I, I want to get closer to you. When you get closer to God, let me, let me tell you what the Isaiah the prophet found. 
When you get closer to God, there comes a commissioning from God. As the Lord asked the question, and he knew the answer before he ever asked the question, whom shall we send? When God begins to display his glory in this house, he's going to display his glory with an intent and purpose, and that is to commission you to go forth and do what he's asked you to do. He, 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 he's, there's a, this is a commissioning service. And, and you said, well, Lord, I got this thing. And the Lord said, wonderful. That's the thing I want. So here's Jacob, not my Jacob, the Jacob, Jacob of the Bible. He's there, and he, he kind of duped his brother out of his birthright. Kind of, he did. And, you know, the Lord took Jacob, and whose name means supplanter, he, he took Jacob and he put him with someone who was a little bit more trickier than than him he 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 could teach Jacob some tricks he he was the trickster of all tricks Laban let me tell you it would have been a shocker that next morning when you woke up and it's like you ain't the one I work for I've been working for your sister how did I end up with you What? There's been a mix-up in the whole in the whole cake corral here. There's been a mix-up in the in the hotel in the motel eight because I went to the wrong room. You're not the one I worked for. Laban, what's going on? Well, we don't marry off our elder daughter before we do our elder sister before we do our younger. What? I know, just checking you. <laughs> Not really. I don't want to lie and get struck down in the pulpit. So, okay. We don't marry off the younger before we do the elder. Okay. But I'll tell you what we'll do. You go ahead and, and you work for me another seven years. First seven felt like a breeze because he was motivated by love. Now the second seven. Now I got the sisters. Of course, he agreed. He got nowhere else to go. So he agrees. He gets the second one. So here's Jacob, and you read the story, Jacob. You understand he's a, just because it's written doesn't mean it's the will of God, okay? He, he's kind of manipulated his way into his situation, and God's placed him with somebody who's a greater manipulator than he is. But Jacob finally gets to the place where he's like, you know, i, I got to have the blessing of God that I didn't earn. I just want it. So he draws in closer to God. He's facing his biggest fear with his brother, Esau, in whom he had, he had, he had and took advantage of. And here's Esau. As he's getting ready the night before to face his brother. And as he's getting ready to face his brother, he is there. And there is a theopony, a manifestation of God. And he is wrestling with the Lord. And he's holding on for dear life. And he's saying, Lord, I, I, want, you to, I want you to bless me. I want you to bless me. I want you to bless I'm not letting go until you bless me. Has anybody ever been at that place? And you said, I don't need the trappings. I don't need all the stuff. All I'm looking for is the blessing of God upon my life. I've just got to have it, Lord. I don't want all the goodies. I just want God. I just want Him. So he's wrestling. He's asking, what's your name? He said, don't concern yourself with my name. But your name is no longer Jacob. Your name now is Israel. One who has prevailed with God and with man. And since we've come so close together, I'm going to ensure that this takes place. Let me help you here. Jacob uh, touches strongest muscle in his body, his thigh. I'm just going to cripple you. Now you're blessed. Thank you, Lord. 
Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> now Jacob, he's no longer Jacob. He's Israel. And he's got this thing. He's got this thing. But you know what the beautiful part of the history of the man Israel is that it, he wasn't celebrated for all of his strength. In fact, they said, uh, I tell you what, uh, we're going to make a law to honor Israel's weakness. And we're not going to eat of that, of that thigh, of that muscle again in honor of his weakness. I think so many times in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we celebrate the wrong thing. We want to celebrate the strength when God wants to celebrate the weakness. Because now, Jacob, he can't move without God's help. He can't talk without God's help. He can't even, he can't leap anymore. He can't run from the problems anymore. No, he's got to have help. And that's where the blessing comes from. That's where the blessing comes from. Lord, I want to be a manger. I want to be a manger where when they look at me, all they can see is the slobber stains of the cow. When they look at me, they are, boy, I need a bath. You're a little stinky on the outside. But there's something about the elevation of the one on the inside of him. Oh, my God. They went to, the shepherds went to, and they saw the Christ child. The sign was he was in a manger. And they couldn't hold it in. They couldn't stop talking about it. They got to go tell everybody, guess what? We found the Savior of the world. Where did, we, where did you find him? He was in the manger called Mike. You didn't get it. He's in the manger called Ray. He's in the manger called Patty and Lee. He's in the manger called Melissa and Juan and Angel and Tommy and Jerry. He's in the angel called, he's in the manger called Jim and Dennis. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. I just want to be a manger. I just want to be a manger. I, I just want to be the, the one where anything counted to me, as Paul said, I count loss for Christ. In fact, I've, I counted more than loss. I counted as horse manure, cow poo-poo, sheep droppings, trash, cow snot. But if I could elevate Christ... Could you take this manger and, and, and put the treasure in this manger? Could you, could you take this weakness of mine and could you guard the glory with my weakness? Could, see, so often we want God to get credit and for us to get credit too. But he says, no flesh will glory in his presence. Lord, you'll get the glory, and I'll get the glory too. The Lord said, I, I can't share my glory with you. I can put my glory in you. I can let my glory shine through you. I, I, but I can't give you my glory because it will destroy you. Now, if you want all the glory, I'll go ahead and let you go off on your own. And you can go get the glory for what has been accomplished. But let me tell you, we're not here because we've done anything great. We're not disqualified because we've got some weakness. No, we are now qualified because God has brought forth the Savior and He has laid Him in us, the manger. And now we exemplify the treasure of heaven. We could never eclipse what he has done. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You're called to preach, but you can't read. Been there, done that. But Lord, that weakness disqualifies me. No, son, it doesn't. I'm just going to teach you how to read. And then I'm going to tell you to tell them because they won't have an excuse. I've known preachers that couldn't read a word off the page. 
Somebody else would read their text for them, and they would get up and expound upon that text. Oh, Lord, my single greatest fear, public speaking, that's all right. We'll take care of that. Well, Lord, you don't understand. I, I've, I've been abused physically, emotionally, sexually. That's all right, son. I'm going to use that too. That's part of the package. That's part of the slobber stains. That, that, that's, that's just going to elevate the babe. If I went over and got my grandbaby, which I will not because her mother will take my head off, and laid her right here in this manger. I, some of you sitting around have already ooed and cooed, and I know because she just brings it out of you. I'm like, you can have anything you want. And I certainly wouldn't do it in front of her three-year-old sister who is overly protective of her. But if I laid that child in this manger, your thoughts would no longer be upon the manger. All you could see would be the beautiful innocence of this wonderful, wonderful child in life. See, God the Father gave his son for you and I. And he chose a person who would be faithful. And the Holy Spirit placed Jesus inside the womb of Mary. Because he knew that there would be a time in a mother's love that he, that he created. He created that mother's love. Because he needed his child to be protected. Until the day that he would stand upon his own and fulfill his commission. Which is to bring sons to glory. But she had the responsibility to protect that child. From the love that was given to her. An innate love from the father for that child. That one day, the Holy Spirit would come. And now the Holy Spirit puts Jesus in us. Jesus grows in us. And now, we are part of the fellowship of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord came to save us not just only from our sins. We were bound, destined for damnation. We would never make it on our own. But now God the Father sent forth his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. And now the Holy Spirit at our acknowledgement that we can't make it, we'll never make it, but Lord, I want to I want to live in sonship. I want to bear your image. I want to have your identity. I want to walk in your inheritance where the Holy Spirit enters in and Jesus begins to grow in our heart and we start walking as blessed people. And what we realize is that his, the glory goes to him. I love Psalm 115 and 1. It says, unto you, O Lord, unto you, O Lord, be the glory. Unto you be the glory. I am just the vessel, my God. You are the treasure. And Lord, if I could just magnify the treasure in my weakness. Thank God for my family, my children, my grandchildren. I've been having this, it's a little bit of aggravation on my part, but it's still fun. Nora tells me that Juniper is mama's baby. And I tell Nora, which she no longer wants to be called Nora, she wants to be called Eleanor. She's three. She has a lot of opinions for a three-year-old. And I tell her, I said, no, Juniper is my baby. She said, no, Pops. Juniper is Mama's baby. I said, Eleanor, Juniper's my baby. Violet's my baby. You're my baby. Your Mama's my baby. Your Aunt Lainey's my baby. Your Daddy's my baby. Your Uncle Mike's my baby. Your Uncle Jacob's my baby. 
And soon, Julia is going to be my baby. They're all my babies. Why? Because I'm Pops. And they belong to, come on, Charlie, can I get a witness up there? Come on, Lance, can I get a witness? Any other pops in the house, can I get a witness? They're my babies! My babies! Guess what? Your heavenly father, when the enemy comes marching around and telling you can't, you won't, you'll never, let me tell you, he'll stand up immediately and say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. That is not Mary's child. He's my child. You are not belong to your mama and your daddy. You are mine. You're mine. We get this arrogant notion that our morality and love is greater than our Father. We get it all twisted. We see our children and we would stand in front of a firing squad to protect our children. There's a father and a mother right here. You get close enough to them, they'll, they'll take you down. You know what I'm saying? Mamas and daddies, you hear me? You can talk about me all you want, but you don't talk about my family. Any daddies in the house? You can you say whatever you want to about me. You can say I'm uglier than a mud fence, and that's probably true. Don't you know that our father has the same tenacious passion towards you? Paul, Paul, what are you doing persecuting me? When you come against my child, you're coming against me. When Jesus Christ came, he came in order to bring us into the family of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To give us image, identity, and inheritance. Image, identity, and inheritance. That's what the God wants you to know that He loves you. And how dare we be so arrogantly presumptuous to believe that we and our morality and our love is greater than God's? I'm going to let that land where it lands. And see, the beautiful, beautiful thing about the sign that was given to the shepherds is that it was the weak vessel it was the weak vessel that exemplified and magnified God the Son it was the the limp the Bible tells us that Jacob leaned upon his staff. He couldn't walk on his own anymore. God's looking for individuals that'll get so hungry for him that they'll press on in. And they'll say, Lord, this, this source is not from me. This, this glory is not from me. Though it may be in me, it's not from me. Don't, don't venture for a minute to believe that if you're a born-again child of God that there's not treasure in you. In fact, there's a treasure trove called the Holy Spirit, and he's got things that you can't even imagine. You may have a thing, but if you bring that thing to him, guess what? He'll take your thing, and he'll put Christ in that thing. And now the Lord will be elevated by your stench and your slobber stains. Amen? Now, you may have the testimony of that old country song, and I don't encourage you to go out and listen to it, nor adhere to it. <laughs> Come from a long line of losers. I don't remember the rest of it. Half outlaw and half boozers or something like that. That's not my profession. I may abhor the image of the man of dust, but I now bear the image of the heavenly man. Amen? 
Lord, I just want to give you my weakness. I want to give you the thing. I want you to take the thing. After how long have we been doing this, babe? Don't, I'm not talking about today. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, it's like going on and on and on. <laughs> you give it to him early and he just stretches it out further. 30 years? Preaching? Teaching? Yeah. I think you said uh, in the last class five years ago you've been going 20, so maybe 25. Well, it's a little more than that. But anyway, maybe I lied that day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What I'm saying is, what, the point I want to make in this, there's never been a time when I've stepped behind this pulpit that I didn't sense a necessity of the anointing of God. I can't do this without Him. In fact, I don't want to do this without Him. I don't want to just clock time and just feel space and just so that we can feel a little bit better so that we can go on. No, I want to see the glory of God resting on your life like never before. I want to see the power of God bring forth such a restoration and an anointing and the ministry of reconciliation that it just absolutely blows your mind. I believe God has so many things in store, but we disqualify ourselves because of our failures, because of our weakness, because of our inability. If you were able to do it, you wouldn't need God. But when you embrace your weakness now and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do today? It changes everything. My weakness is not my, it's not my enemy anymore. It's my, it's my friend that walks alongside me. The, it, it just says uh, that insecurity. That, in, let me frame this because insecurity can be a dangerous thing. Let's frame it this way. My dependence, my complete dependence upon God to be the source, the strength, and the power it changes all of that to I don't think about the insecurity anymore as much as I think about I gotta have you I gotta I gotta have you I gotta have you Lord father we come before you today worship team is making their way up I didn't get near as far as I wanted to today you have to come back next week to hear the rest of it we're going to be talking a little deeper about the commissioning and what God has in store for you. Lord, make me a manger. Lord, make me a manger. Lord, I pray today I pray today, Father, for those who have viewed those who have viewed their weakness, their failures, their inabilities as a detriment. I pray today that they will get a fresh understanding. Fresh understanding. Of Lord, look up here, look up here at me just a moment. Just as the imagery, little juniper, if I'd laid her here, she would instantly, instantly elevate this container. Instantly. She would elevate that container some of you in here would say that's not where you put a baby but that's where the father put his son are you getting it do you see it I just want to be a manger make me a manger so that when people see your glory just eclipse me 
and it magnifies you. Lord, use my weakness that others may see it's not a disqualifier. It is a very entrance into the power of God. Would you stand today all across this room? Now, I'm going to be careful as we're going to close this service in an altar call. The altar call is this. I'm not going to ask you the thing that's between you and God. That thing may be a failure. That thing may be an inability. That thing may be a social standing. I don't know what the thing is. But you got a thing. And you want to say, God, I'm gonna, I just want to be a manger that you may be glorified. I'm going to give you that thing. I'm just going to give it to you. I just take it from me, and Lord, I, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I, I'm going to let you redeem me. I'm going to let you heal me. And then I, I just believe, Lord, you're going to elevate yourself through that. This is a commissioning service today. I'm talking to those who've had some troubled childhoods. I'm, on, I'm talking to those who've had some failed marriages. I'm talking to those who, who, who are looking at the world and say, this, this is not what I had imagined things would be. You got the thing. Stop dragging it around and start bringing it before God and say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you to use. I'm surrendering the thing. Come on, these altars are open. These altars are open. Come on, come on. I'm surrendering. I'm giving it up. I'm letting it go. It's not mine anymore. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. I'm get, come on, there's some folks in the balcony. We're going to wait on you in just a minute. Come on, you got, you got the thing. You got, this is a commissioning service. God's going to use the thing. He's going to take the thing, and he's going to cause his glory to come out of that thing. He's going to take that troubled childhood and all your failure, all your addictions, and he's going to spin it around, and he's going to use it for his glory. Come on, come on, I'm going to give you another couple minutes. Just step forward, step forward. Come on, there's more, there's more. There's more people. Come on, come on, come on. Some of you have been hiding, afraid to let somebody know the hurt that you have endured in your life. God wants to heal you of that hurt. He wants to heal you of that hurt. Come on. You're not going to outperform it. You're not going to do 